listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, doing well and uh, good to be with you again. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to this conversation. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, the, uh, look, uh, you know, a lot of manufacturing marketers, um, you know, one of the kind of ties that buy in some way or kind of patterns that you see, of course, is that a number of them have to sell through uh, channel uh, environments and yeah. market through a, ch a channel. And, and in some way, uh, you know, kind of in some ways a bit disconnected from the end user of the product in yeah. some way. And um, I, I think that can present some interesting challenges uh, for the uh, typical marketing playbook, if you will. And I'm excited for today's guest to take us through. And and uh, yet another great guest on the cooler ring from a really cool business that does some interesting stuff. Yeah. Like, um, So, yeah, that's kind of neat, too. Yeah, we I can always... geek out about that a bit. <laughs> I always enjoy that side of things. So joining us today is Paul Daly. Paul is the Director of Product and Market Strategy at Outback Power. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Paul. Well, thank you, guys. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to join you. Paul, it's awesome to have you on the show. Uh, Outback Power. Uh, tell us, uh, tell our listeners about Outback Power, what you all do there, and, and, and a bit about your role, if you would. Yeah, so, I mean, starting with, with the company, uh, you know, Outback Power was formed... Uh, back in 2000, 2001, uh, as, you know, basically to serve the, the off-grid, uh, you know, solar community. You know, so these are the folks that, you know, they wanted to live, you know, somewhere that didn't necessarily have power lines and access to power. And so, you know, the typical thing up to, you know, roughly that point was, you know, people would put a, a, a fairly expensive solar PV panel out there. They'd have usually a car battery or something that they'd use to charge it. And then, then they'd have to get all DC loads. And so, uh, you know, Outback's original products were, first of all, a charge controller to, to help keep that battery healthy, and then an inverter uh, to provide, you know, 120 volt, 60 hertz AC power, you know, for, they could run normal appliances. Uh, you know, since then we've we've grown it out to not just the, the off-grid space, but also, the uh you know we, we we really pioneered the uh the solar backup space uh back in like 2010 uh when we came out with our uh, our radian product line and now of course that's that's what everyone in our industry talks about is you know solar plus batteries you know we've uh we've been doing that a very long time and uh really you know strove to make a difference in you know people's lifestyles as well as obviously you know the climate change movement right this is this is the best alternative to uh, generators with, you know, that are sucking up diesel fuel and, and putting, you know, more carbon in the atmosphere. I have to imagine that your batteries made and your platform made things a lot safer too, uh, you know, over a, a couple of car batteries strung together. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about that. Well, but Paul, I mean, how long have you been with the business and, and kind of where did you come to it from? Yeah, so I've I've been in the industry for you know a similar amount of time, and uh, I came to Outback via their number one distributor. So I was working for uh, AE Solar, which was acquired by Sunrun, which is uh, a name probably more people know about, um, and came to Outback back in 2016. So I've been there roughly five years, 
And, um, you know, my role since I was hired was to really, you know, shepherd the product line and kind of, you know, make a transition into newer technologies, newer platforms and, you know, growing our, our available market. So you switch teams a bit. I mean, uh, I just went up the channel, you know, <laughs> you, you now you know, know the channel so well, having worked in it as the, from with their biggest distributor, that's a great coup, I would think for Outback power. Yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty good because, you know, that's, that gave me insight into what our, our first tier of, of customers needs. And people often don't think about, you know, a distributor has needs that are, that are different from say an installer or a homeowner. Uh, because, you know, distributor cares about things like, you know, how many SKUs they have to stock and how long something can be on a shelf and how it's packaged. A lot of that doesn't matter much to, you know, the, the company that's installing the product, let alone the, the homeowner who's you know, using it for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Hmm. So who's your primary, you know, when you think about how you go to market, you know, obviously they're all important in, in different ways, but where do you start? Well, the challenge is you kind of have to start everywhere at once. Uh, it used to be, you know, back when this was a very niche industry, uh, you could just go to the distributor and can, once you convince the distributor that you have the product for them, uh, they would they would just offer it to their customers and it was kind of the only game in town. So it didn't really matter. It was you build it, they will come. And as the, the market has evolved and more players have gotten into it, uh, you not only have to convince the distributors that your product is worthwhile, but you also have to convince at least that first tier of installers because the distributor wants to know, okay, if I stock this, is someone going to buy it, right? They don't want stuff sitting on their shelf. You know, that's their cash that's tied up. And the installers want to know that, you know, the homeowners will buy it from them. And, and that's changed as well. Uh, you know, I would say as recently as four or five years ago, most homeowners would basically just tell the installer, hey, whatever you think is the best thing. You know, it, this, is a, this is a product similar to, you know, like, a, like an air conditioner, a heat pump or a furnace. You know, most homeowners aren't saying, hey, I want, you know, Train or Lennox or whatever. They're saying, yeah, whatever you sell, just give me the most efficient one or the most cheap one or whatever their metric happens to be. And um, that's evolved in our industry because, you know, of the high profile of, of certain companies, you know, uh, you've got these household electronic companies getting into it, like LG and Panasonic, you've got Tesla getting into it. And it's it's ironic for us as, you know, we we came from being, you know, that established brand in the industry to okay, now everyone recognizes these other brands because they're involved in so many other things uh, that get a lot more publicity. Uh, so it's, you know, you've got to establish that value proposition. And, you know, fortunately for us, a lot of the installers are still in the industry that were in it, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and they know our products and, you know, they, they like our products. Uh, and so it's really the, the challenge is that the, a lot of the growth is coming from newer installers that didn't do any didn't do anything with batteries five years ago, but now it's all to do with batteries, and so uh, they're learning about it. And you know, we've got to get ourselves in front of them. I, I mean, look, it's a really interesting marketing challenge. This notion of 
um, the extent to which you pull or, or, or seek to, to to create a, a bit of a pull demand, if you will, from the homeowner, um, <laughs> push uh, demand from the distributor, yeah, and uh, from the and, then, and then both from the installer, um, and then that you have the added dynamic, of course, of you know sometimes building brand to those homeowners is a bit of a challenge because you get a bunch of do-it-yourselfers out there that you kind of don't want to deal with as a brand. But if you're talking to them directly, <laughs> they, they kind of start trying to deal with you, right? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I wonder, Paul, have you, and I, I appreciate that it's certainly evolved over time and it's a very dynamic uh, situation. Have Do you have closed-loop analytics at all around this to be able to understand um, if you will, almost like percentage of the business that comes from the three, like comes from pull, comes from the installers, comes from comes from push. Like, do you, do you have a sense of the influence there much? Uh, it's mostly anecdotal. You know, so I just got back from you know one of our our most important uh, trade events, uh, which is you know the the North American board of uh, certified energy practitioners, right? So it's a small show, there's like 500 attendees, but each and every one of them is or represents, you know, an installer, a potential customer who's using products like ours. And, um, you know, so we, we talk to those people at shows and they tend to tell us, oh yeah, you know, we've heard of you, we haven't used of you, haven't used your stuff, or, hey, we use your stuff all the time, we love it, or we used it, we had XYZ problem. Uh, so we get a lot of that kind of feedback, but once you sell something to a distributor, uh, very few distributors are willing to take the time to give you, uh, you know, point of purchase information. You know, so if you're lucky, they might tell you what zip code it shipped to. <laughs> uh, they're not gonna tell you who they sold your product to and kind of where it got installed. Uh, some some other folks in our industry have implemented, uh, you know, basically involuntary tracking. So as soon as you you plug that product in, you know, it shows up on the internet and they know exactly where it is. Um, we have something similar, but it's entirely voluntary. And because we serve, you know, that large off grid segment, most of those guys are off the grid because they want to be off the grid. They don't have internet connections. Um, you know, they don't want the man like messing with their stuff. So, you know, there's, there's always that challenge and, and that market is one uh, that's really not reported on much because it is so hard to gather data. And it's, it's such a niche that, you know, nobody really knows how big it is, but everyone's pretty sure it's not that big, right? So it's, it's just that size where people don't want to invest in, uh, in the tools to go find out uh, more about it. And so again, we have to manage with anecdotal data on, you know, the server side, we, we obviously know because we sell to them, we know which distributors are doing the most business and kind of where they are and what geographies they they serve. But, you know, our top five or six biggest customers are national. They ship product all over the country or even uh, all over the hemisphere. And so, you know, we, we don't necessarily know. We may ship it to California. It might get, inst get installed in Maine. Uh, and we won't know anything about that unless that person in Maine uh, joins our monitoring platform and uh, and we can see it show up there. I have to think 
you know, as competitors like Tesla, you know, big brand recognition amongst consumers move into a space like this where you guys have been a quality and, and a premium product leader for so long, you know, you get dedicated group of uh, distributors and, and installers and things like that. How do you, like, what are you providing, if anything, to your installers to um, help defend their choice to the, to the end consumer? Like, what, what are you doing there? So that's been the focus a lot more in the last, say, three or four years than it was before. And, you know, I, I went down to, you know, a video production company a, uh, a year or two ago and had them come up with some really nice kind of, you know, TV quality ad spots. And, you know, we never put them on TV. But what we what we're doing is we'll take those, we'll put in appropriate interstitials for the product and then give that to. Uh, the installers as a sales tool, right? So then that installer comes um, and, you know, the way, uh, you know, the way Tesla works is they have a very captive, you know, installation work network. It's pretty unlikely we're ever going to sell something to a Tesla installer because they have to be loyal to Tesla. That's part of the deal. But that also means most of the market is still available to us and not available to Tesla. You know, so we want those guys to be able to compete. And by giving them these kind of tools, you know, they can go to a, they can go to a homeowner and say, Hey, yeah, I know, you know, you're thinking about, uh, you know, this thing, but you know, here's what we have from Outback and here's why it's better and, you know, more robust and more reliable and so on and so forth. But it's really about arming them, you know, as, mm -hmm. as the installer having that kitchen table conversation. And I would have to think that, um, uh, not only does the kind of the marketing, uh, the tonality of the communications and kind of who's the recipient um, of it is, and not only does that change over, over time as this market's matured, but I would have to think that the products that fit with the market ha have evolved as well. I mean, uh, you find yourself introducing kind of more standardization of product, try to keep costs down as these new competitors are entering, or what's the dynamic of that space? Um, you know, I'm pretty sure we hold the record for having the oldest products that are still available, mm. <laughs> um, which is which is a, a simultaneously an honor and a shame. Uh, it's it's an honor because you know the products and platforms that we built, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago are versatile enough to keep working in the current environment. Um, at the same time, you know, we have a number of new platforms in development that we're preparing to launch. And, and as you say, it's really about getting to that Pareto, right? Our original platforms were, you know, kind of these erector sets that, you know, the, the installer can make do virtually anything uh, where the newer products are like, you know, here's the system in a box. It does this set of things really well. If you wanted to do this other crazy thing that you used to do with, with, you know, certain combinations of our old stuff, you're kind of still stuck with the combinations of our old stuff. But the you know that 80, 90 percent of what people want is in the new box at a lower price that's much easier to put in. I would be curious because as we look at these kind of three groups, um, kind of what you think your most successful initiative has been with each of the groups almost I, like what do you think you've done that's resonated with the residential side and maybe created the most pull? Um, how do you you know what have you done that you think has kind of uh, connected with installers uh, the best and uh, similarly for distributors. Is there kind of a, 
Do you have a list of home runs here, Paul? Um, I don't know. If there's much that I would qualify as a home run. I mean, I because I came from Sun Run, so a home run there is uh, a little more dramatic, <laughs> but, uh, and it, it kind of skews your your perspective on it. But um, you know, we got some solid you know doubles and triples, right? Uh, and I think you know, again, some of the video content that we've done uh, has been pretty helpful for homeowners. We've done a lot with social media. You know, so we have, uh, you know, a very strong LinkedIn presence. Uh, we've run a lot of, you know, Facebook campaigns. And, you know, we've got a lot of content on YouTube. And so, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there there is a certain DIY crowd. Uh, and we've got a lot of stuff out there uh, that, that they often take advantage of, whether we want them to or not. Um, and really, that's, you know, that content uh, not only comes from us, it also comes from from our installers. Mm. Uh, so on on that side, we have uh, a pretty robust you know installer, what we call a user forum. Uh, so there's a, a a website that uh, you know our installers can get to, where they basically talk to each other, and it's it's very lightly moderated by uh, by my team, and you know we'll chime in occasionally when they've got specific technical questions or hey, can I do this kind of questions. But by and large, it's you know it's the it's the installer community supporting one another, and it's really interesting to go through and read some of those conversations uh, that they're having. Hey, you know, I'm in you know this really high elevation place, and I've got to do this and that you know to to make this work properly. And oh, have you tried you know these other kind of off the shelf you know balance the system things? You know, those kinds of conversations are are helpful. And there's just a ton of of content that like I said, not only our team has done. But our our installer community has done on YouTube and and these these sort of videos. Uh, we had uh, you know we had an installer a few years ago uh, put in a, an off grid system for uh, Governor Jerry Brown uh, from California uh, right around the time that uh, that he was leaving office, and you know it was a beautiful system with you know several of our our, our inverters stacked together and you know was was something that you know, a, a difficult and challenging system for someone to take on and build this out. But, you know, he made all these wonderful videos about it. And a lot of them, you know, still get quite a bit of play. Uh, and so we see things like that. Uh, and just that community of, uh, of installers has been very mutually supportive, right? They call us and they want t-shirts or hats or something. Yeah, we're going to take care of them. Hmm. Um, and, you know, if they have the occasional problem, you know, we're going to support them. And at the same time, you know, they're, you know, they're proud to be Outback installers and that they know this stuff. It's kind of an expert brand in that way, uh, which, which again, help, helps a lot on, in that segment. Um, and, and I think what we're trying to do as we grow is, you know, make it less expertise required <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons, but without losing that kind of pride of craftsmanship that, uh, that our installers often have. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's bit.ly slash sample ABM.
Now, do you have a kind of a brand level certification for the installers at all or anything of that nature? Uh, that's something that we've internally talked about quite a bit. And I think um, it really just comes down to when we're going to do it. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that it's, it's staffed and resourced appropriately. Uh, so, you know, for those that ask, we just say, hey, it's, it's coming. I don't have a, a date yet, but the benefits of something like that are pretty obvious. And, um, you know, we are, uh, we are looking at how we want to structure something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we don't train that. We spend a lot of time, uh, you know, pre-COVID, obviously, we would go to hotels in different, you know, cities and towns and do day-long or, or maybe two or three-day-long trainings. Uh, so we have what we call our, uh, our, our uh, energy storage for solar professionals uh, training. You know, so the idea there was if, if you had someone who was installing just standard you know, PV systems that don't have backup, they could come to one of our, our classes and get, you know, most of what they need uh, to start doing battery systems. And then um, we have, we expanded that. So it was kind of soup to nuts on, on how to size, install, uh, how to sell it, you know, all those kinds of things that, that let them make that leap. Uh, so like I said, what we never, we never had a, a bona fide, you know, like, hey, this is a certified installer beyond that training. But the training did, you know, we did have a certificate with it that said, hey, they've been through this training. You know, we've spent several days with them. They know the stuff. Uh, and then the rest comes down to, you know, their local licensing requirements. It's like one rubber stamp logo away from having a, <laughs> you know, a certification. That's all you really need. You, know, you just got to name it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course, a lot of that changed during the during COVID. We had to do more of it virtually, and it's it's harder to do that kind of training virtually because you know part of the advantage before was we would bring equipment and people would get hands on it. We've got a we've got a training center down here in Phoenix where you know people come and the, and they can actually lay hands on the equipment and wire things up, and we can you know make strange scenarios to test them. Uh, it's it's we're looking forward to being able to to use that stuff again as well. Yeah, uh, there's so many questions I have here. <laughs> so, uh, we go, uh, I guess um, I kind of change gears a little bit. I want to just kind of hone in on this notion of of um, of, of the do it yourself or challenge because this, I've encountered this in a number of other um, kind of similar uh, products that have that that they target the homeowner, uh, but they have to be installed by a professional and sold through a distributor, and in each case. Um, there's been a do-it-yourselfer problem. Um, you know, in one instance I can think of, the product used to be sold through Home Depot, and because that's where all the do-it-yourselfers go, they just stopped listing it through Home Depot. Um, uh, so there's there's been a number of ways I've seen people kind of deal with this uh, challenge. And then I've, as I think of, of Outback, I can't help but think that there's a component of the do-it-yourselfers that are, well, candidly, preppers, um, which... <laughs> I mean, those are, you know, that's a, well, dedicated. I, I met a, a, I met this amazing uh, guy in uh, Las Vegas just before COVID who was a serious prepper. And it was like, that's the biggest introduction I've ever had into that thinking. Like it was a crash course. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, it's a, 
you know, th- that's a passionate kind of subgroup. You can't really snub them in some way, right? Because they would be, yeah. they would have some influence, I would think, in some instances. So I guess, how have you navigated that space? Yeah, and, and you're and you're right. I mean, the, the proper community is a pretty significant market segment for us uh, because our, you know, our brand and our products are, you know, the premium you can survive on this kind of backup mode for as long as the sun rises, right? Um, because you, know, you can recharge those batteries each day from your your PV array, uh, and that makes it a you know a popular product among you know these guys that are like preparing for the zombie apocalypse. And you know, kidding aside, I mean, there's you know we, we had a customer that um, uh, you know was an installer out in I think West Virginia, and one of his customers actually paid him in gold Krugerrands. Wow! <laughs> right, you know, so it's like that serious. Um, and you know, as some of these guys, you know, will, will try to do it themselves. The, the challenge with do it yourselfers isn't do it yourselfers per se. It's that there's a pretty wide mix of qualifications, uh, when you're talking about a do it yourselfer, um, it's hard to support them with a product that's particularly custom. Yeah, it, exactly. So, you know, one of the things we've done is, is try to simplify things. We put a lot of support materials out there. Uh, but you know, if you if you read the codes and standards and stuff that are applied to our equipment and apply to installing our equipment, um, you know, there's all kinds of things. You qualified persons only. You know, that you, if you hire someone, they've got to have certain licenses, usually an electrician or something similar. And you know, if you're going to touch that stuff yourself, I mean, it's like it's a little more involved than installing a ceiling fan. Um, you've you've got to know what you're doing. Which it should be noted, that is not a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> I, I installed two this summer alone again, and you're hanging upside down. They're heavier than they yeah. should be. Yeah, no, it's it's not worth it. So, so Higher and ceiling fans. Folks. I didn't know yeah. this is where we were going. Yeah. But. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but you know, the, you know, this is a this is a lot more uh, challenging than that, right? Because you you're interfacing with your home's electrical system. You're interfacing with the utility grid. You've got to have permission from the utility. You've got to have a, a building permit for it, typically, and to get those permits, you know, most homeowners in most places can get the permits themselves uh, because you know there's this is America, and by golly, if you want to hurt yourself in your own home, that's your right. Uh, so, you know, we, that's that's typically allowed. Uh, the challenge we have, of course, is they call us, and we're like, okay, so Ohm's law, and they're like, what? <laughs> I forgot about that in grade 10 physics. Uh, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, you know, you got to have the neutral wire. Which one's that? Like, okay. You know, there are, there are GI wires, you know, that are very qualified and, and perfectly capable, but there's a lot of them that, that frankly get in over their heads. And what often happens is it, it creates some nice business for a local installer to come in and clean up the mess. Uh, and they usually end up paying as much or more than they would have for that installer just to install the system. Yeah, look, I, I I've looked at your website here as we're chatting, even, and I'm just uh, looking at the, the the for homeowners component. And you know, quite honestly, I think you speak to them at a, you know, you meet them at a level. Like you 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 kind of you're not speaking down to them. It's uh, um, if you're honest and exploring a do-it-yourself approach, or as a homeowner you're interested, you're talking to them as though they're uh, you know, intelligently understand this. And if they don't, it's going to be obvious, I think, to them at some point that maybe they need to phone a friend. Um, yeah. yeah. I just like how you've done it without, 
Because I've seen the other way where it's like completely you know, dissuade them. Yeah, thou shalt not pass. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. yeah, and you know, as as the safety guy, you know, I uh, I would like to do that sometimes, but you know, that's a pretty significant uh, portion of our business, and at some level, we have to accommodate it. Now, what what works pretty well is we do have uh, certain distributors and even sub distributors that specialize in these DIY guys. And the, the the thing that separates the wheat from the chaff among those distributors are the ones that have uh, large technical support teams. You know, they, they make more margin on the product often than we do, uh, but they, they plow that into really good support. And so, you know, they'll sell it to a customer at, at, at retail, but then that customer calls them, not us. And they can explain things much better at a customer, you know, neophyte level uh, than than our folks would because our folks are expecting to talk to you know an electrical contractor or an electrician or or a solar installer or someone that's got some experience. I like that that notion of yeah components of the distribution channel being kind of better suited to dealing uh, with the direct with DIYers and kind of leaning into that a bit. I um I haven't heard that expressed in that way uh, from other folks that have shared a similar problem. To be honest, yeah. That's normally cool. they either try and avoid it entirely or or just deal with it as it comes. <laughs> yeah, and, and and some have, you know, depending on the technical nature of a product, you know, some will actually begin to spin up new products that are a bit more DIY focused and maybe not quite as powerful as the stuff that the installers can do. Mm. So it sounds like you, you're doing a bit of that anyway. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to make it easier for the installer, which by extension would make it easier for a DIY. Um, but, uh, you know, officially, we don't condone the DIY, but we also recognize there's really not much we could do about it. And so at the end of the day, we want everyone to be safe and successful in their installations and, and try to provide the, the necessary levels of support for that. Yeah, so this has been a really, uh, I think, cool and uh, fascinating conversation, Paul. I've really enjoyed it. I, I wonder, as we kind of come to a close here, I mean, you've really... Um, I've been riding this wave for a while. I mean, you've seen a lot of change in this emerging category. Um, and now with the, the kind of the entrance of a very uh, a dominant consumer brands into the space, um, for people that find themselves in a, a similar kind of channel sales challenge, I wonder if you have any kind of parting advice as we, uh, as we call it a day here. Well, one of the exercises that, that we do that I found incredibly helpful is, you know, doing a customer journey map, but doing it at every level, right? So you do a customer journey map for the homeowner, you do a customer journey map for the installer, you do a customer journey map for the distributor. Because I said before, you know, they all have very different needs and there's different things that are gonna make them successful. And you need to understand what each of those is so that, you know, everybody benefits um, throughout the channel. And I think, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, Tesla earlier and as a distributor, one of the real challenges with Tesla was that they basically published their factory gate price, you know, so they say, oh yeah, the power wall costs X. That's, that's what the installer pays for the power wall. Um, and so the homeowner is expecting basically the installation to be free <laughs> and, you know, there's no markup on the product. And, and so it, it puts the, 
it puts both the distributor and the installer in a real spot because you know there's there's nothing they can do to to kind of match the normal uh, way things are done where you say hey there's you know we publish an MSRP and we sell at various discounts of that based on where the that person is uh, in the channel their volume etc and it gives them flexibility to decide whether they want to be a you know a high service uh, outlet or a low cost outlet. The idea of producing a journey map at every level of the, you know, of your different personas and different customer groups I think is, is really great advice. There's an awful lot of uh, organizations that should be looking very deeply into that and really digging in with the people who are involved in each of those levels and understanding their needs. I think that's a, you know, and if you don't do that, you may not notice, uh, you know, the nuance yeah. uh, around something like uh, the challenges that uh, Paul just articulated with tests on the pricing. So, yeah. Um, and it also helps to illuminate, you know, we really need to generate some content at this point in the journey map so that we can alleviate these objections or, yeah, or whatever. Right. Um, you know, it's a, you know, it seems like, it seems like, uh, you know, not everybody sees it as important work, but I think it's fundamental to being able to sell and, uh, and market your product well. Yeah. You, you've got to think about the whole channel holistically. Um, you know, if you, if you just, you know, do all your advertising and all your marketing and all your product design for end customers, you'll reach a certain level of success because there's enough pull demand, but you'll be much more successful if you also think about how you're packaging it for distribution, how you're managing your pricing structures, um, how you're managing channel conflict, you know, all of these kinds of things are going to come up. And if you don't plan for them, they're just going to whack you upside the head uh, when you least expect it. That is an excellent way to leave the show. Thanks very much for your insight, Paul. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. All the best. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. 